Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, good morning. This is Pastor Justin Goins again with Run 12-1 Podcast, and we're going to pick up kind of where we left off in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number five. Uh, last episode um, in the series of Acts, well, I believe it was the, the eighth episode, I think we spent the seventh and the eighth actually with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, <clears throat> excuse me, and we looked at different elements there. We're going to continue, but we're going to jump into verses 12 through 42, and I'm going to have to make another split in this. Um, I'd like to go one episode or two per chapter, but there's just a lot, a lot in this chapter that we need to stop and pause and look at. So with that being the case, this there's probably going to be two kind of points in this podcast, in this episode, and then the next one, we'll try to deal with the last before we move on to chapter number six. So this will be Acts chapter five, verses 12 through 42, and I'm not going to read it, but I will read the first couple of verses here. And it says, and by the hands of the apostles. So remember, we just ended, we just ended the Ananias and Sapphira event where the husband and the wife lied about, <clears throat> they lied about what, uh, what they sold. Say they they sold a piece of property for 10000 They said they actually only sold it for eight, and so they tithed off of the eighth. It wasn't what they gave. It was what they gave, what they should have given, or really their heart of lying about it. With that being said, it end, it ended. we ended that chapter with great fear that fell upon the church. Um, and uh, verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. God used this. Some may see it as an instantaneous death, and how dare God? I mean, couldn't it be lenient? And again, we looked at that last episode that we see sin through a human-tainted, sin-tainted eyesight or heart, mind. We say, well, man, shouldn't, man, that seems kind of harsh, but a holy and righteous eternal God, um, it is not. It's the, it's, it's the due judgment for sin. Now, God sometimes and most times has a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And in fact, I believe Ananias and Sapphira had chance for mercy and grace from God, was given mercy and grace. In fact, the wife was. She was given the opportunity to not lie, but she did. Um, nonetheless, God put sin in, in perspective in the early church. He woke up their heart about the potency of sin. Even lying is what this story really was about. So there's great fear that came upon. And then in verse 12, we pick up, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. It's a part of the temple. And the rest of uh, the durst man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least that, that that at least a shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities right about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. The first point I want to make before we go into the next couple verses, seventeen rather to forty-two, is this evidence of a humble active Christian life. Evidence of a humble, active Christian life. It, let me ask you this question. And 
pause and stop and really take inventory of your life. Is there evidence in your life of a true, of you being a true, humble, active Christian? Up to this point, we have seen nonstop, we're only in midway point to chapter number five of the book of Acts. Church didn't birth until the second chapter of Acts, so hypothetically we could say three and a half, four chapters, we've been reading of the potency of Christians being humble, being active in their faith. And in their evangelism of Jesus Christ, just continuously non-stop. And yet again, we come to it. Even after a death of two people, great fear upon the church. The church still went out. The, the saved individuals still went out and were humble. They didn't take any, any of the accolades that they were doing as their own. They were giving glory to God for what was being done, and we know that coming next in this chapter where Peter gives evidence and gives all accolades, gives all praise to God for the healing of the man that they had healed previously. But they were humble. They were active in their Christ walk. The town, what what is evidence of somebody? Here's what I truly believe. A truly humble, active Christian will be known in their town, in their city, will be known. And it's not not that that person, if they're truly a humble Christian, they're not looking to get the praise and glory, number one, but they will be known. Now, there'll be some, as we'll see here in just a second, that even though that person is almost spot on, perfect, so to speak, in their Christ walk, there's always going to be people like the Pharisees and Sadducees that always want their agenda and go against those type of people. That does not mean that the people are wrong, meaning the Christians living out their faith. There's always going to be naysayers. There are always going to be negative people used by Satan to thwart or to stop the process of the gospel. But the, besides that, the community always seems to jump on board and say, whoa, look at what's going on. Man, look at that person. Or have you heard about such and such, this person, that person? Man, do you, do you hear what's going on at that church? Do you hear what, man, this person stopped today and prayed for me? Or this person stopped and talked to my dad about Jesus or my mom or my son? Or, man, these people, man, they were just over there doing good. They were handing out, you know, free food. and They were doing just The accolades of true, humble, active Christians will not go unnoticed in their town. And I believe it is because of the contagiousy or the contagiousness of the act of just being like Christ. When you look at Christ's life, look at Christ's life everywhere he went. And yes, being God in the flesh, but what he did, he tells us to do, to go around and put and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The second greatest commandment first is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind. Second is like it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And we're to go around and be Christ to our community, to love them, to love God and to love our community, love our neighbors. And when we do that, man, it, 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 it's as if somebody's on a loudspeaker just proclaiming it from the rooftops. And so let me, I mean, seriously, let me ask this question again. It may have, at the beginning of this, when I asked the question, is there evidence of you being a humble, active Christian? 
Now that I've walked through this and what the town and what the city and what the neighbors should see and what they should say, let me go back and ask that question. And maybe you need to reevaluate. Are, is there plenty of evidence that you are a humble, active Christian? Do people know who you are in town in the good way? They say that person is crazy about Christ. That person, man, they... They'd give you the shirt off their back. Man, that man, that man, that Christian, then they can't stop talking about Jesus. And man, you should just see what God is doing in that person's life just time and time again. And there even may be waves of, of storms, so to speak, in that person's life, but they are nonstop about Jesus. Wow. Or are you known as a complainer? Are you known as a government uh, complainer, a town complainer? Town council knows you as, as somebody who is always complaining, the teacher staff at the school where your kids go, are you in there? I mean, just think about and take evaluate of your life. Or you see many movies about that, that nasty, grumpy neighbor. I hope that's not you as a Christian. I hope that's not you. The, I'm telling you what, the book of Acts, the first five chapters where we've been at, that is not, that that is nowhere close to being what we see in the book of Acts with the humble, active Christians just in the first five chapters. Number two this morning is this. 17 through 42, the high priest, starting in verse 17, then the high priest rose up and all they that went uh, with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. They were, I mean, they were so heated. They were so hot. I mean, so angry, so full of rage and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. And they got so mad, so ticked off about what was going on. And they said, we're going to throw them in jail. But the angel of the Lord, by night, opened up the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life. And they went, verse 21, they did exactly that. And they went into the middle of it and they started speaking. And then verse 22, 25, and the next morning, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who throw them in prison, came back in to talk with them and basically to threaten them the more and found out that they were not there. And it was noise in verse 26, then went the capital, verse 25, then came one and told them saying, behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence this time. Oh, we need to be careful what we're doing with these people. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's uh, deviate from our path of, of attack this time and be nice a little bit. Lest they should have been stoned, they were feared for their own life. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the priests. And asked them, saying, did we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Meaning, should, didn't we tell you stop teaching in Jesus' name? Should not teach in this name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, I'm sorry, this man's blood was only already upon you because you crucified him. Now we'll move into point number three in the next episode. Point number two is, we see this deep, passionate rage by this sect of religious people. They, I mean, think about what was being done. It would be as if, I'll just use my own city, for example, that we live in, in Perry, Florida, wherever you're listening at about a month ago, a month and a half ago, we had Hurricane Idalia come through and rip up our area, our town, Taylor County and some other counties as well. But I live in Taylor County in Florida. It's where I pastor at, Blue Creek Baptist Church in Keaton Beach, hypothetically Perry, because we don't have our own zip code. We have to share zip code with, with, with Perry. Nonetheless, it would be as if 
the United, a bunch of groups of people, and this did happen, by the way, a bunch of people came from different areas, a bunch of different Christian ministries came together and offered free help. We, we had some at our church and other churches in the area also had people, but I'm not using one example. So please don't hear what I'm saying and then saying, oh, he's talking and, and, and apply this to your situation as if I know about your situation. I don't. In fact, the people that we had at our church to help us out to minister to our community. This didn't happen to us, but I'm just using it as an example. So we had all these people come in, let's say from all different parts of the United States with their disaster relief teams, and they came in and offered free help to everybody, tree trimming, roofing, yard cleanup, you know, cleaning their homes, all, all of that. I just said that that happened. But then you had the local businesses because it was taking away their profit, getting mad and getting angry and and trying to point out people and, and trying to catch their flaws and just getting furious over that. Instead of seeing the big picture, what was the big picture? Everybody was devastated and people were getting helped and loved on and getting back to what we would call normalcy. Instead of seeing that and seeing all the good, they chose to be rage. They chose to be rude, full of rage and mean. Now. I'm just using that as, as an example. Well, in essence, this is kind of exactly what we see here in the fo- first five chapters of the book of Acts. And in fact, Jesus's life as well. People were being, they were, they, they were getting their thunder stolen. There's a proverb, Proverbs 634, that says this, for jealousy is the rage of a man. When we see Angry, rageful people. The Bible tells us it's because there's a seed of bitterness, a seed of jealousy within their heart. And if that seed doesn't get nullified or squashed or dealt with, it will result in rageful activity, rageful attitude, rageful results. And that's exactly what we see here in chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. And now in chapter five of Acts, the, this religious sect of people, the same, I believe, that hated Jesus because Jesus wasn't still in their thunder. He was God in the flesh. He was a humble servant, even tried to love and be merciful and gracious to the people who hated him, the same sect of people. But because they weren't getting the praise, because they weren't in the limelight, because the people weren't praising them, they got jealous. They got bitter. And because they didn't deal with that, Rage just steeped deep in their heart. And they re- and now the same thing as you read again, they are doing the same thing to the apostles. They took them and because they weren't being praised, they weren't being noticed. They take and they grab the apostles and beat them and throw them in jail. Jealousy is a regiment. Let me, let me stop with this point here simply and just say this. Even myself, we need to daily stop and ask God, to point out if we have jealousy or bitterness inside of our heart. Dear Christian, it can happen. Dear non-Christian, it can happen. We need to make sure that jealousy and rage, a jealousy and bitterness has not taken root in our heart because the end result, and I'm saying very quickly, it doesn't take months for, the, for rage to come out. I'm talking about the same day, and even within minutes after there's jealousy or bitterness that, that you allow to be inside your life. Rage is right around the corner. You are going to react in some stupid way that you will regret. 
then you're held accountable for it. And that's why it's so important for us to take account and say, God, where am I at on my rage meter? Where am I at with my jealousy? Where am I at with my greed? Where am I at with my pride, bitterness? Lord, what, where is there anything in me? Because God, I don't, I don't want to hurt somebody that I love by being rageful towards him. God, where, where is it at? And maybe there's none at that moment. But if there is, Holy Spirit of God, show it to you. Pray, God, remove it from me. Ask forgiveness. Confess it to God that it's there, that you did it, that you let it in. Ask God to take it away, remove it, and move on so that you don't harm somebody with your rage and then end up having to look back and say, man, I, I really responded stu- like stupid in that, in that situation. I, I feel ashamed. You won't have to have those moments. So first point this morning is, do you have true evidence of a humble, active Christian life? And man, check on, check on the jealousy and bitterness in your heart because rage will come out. This is Pastor Justin with Run 12-1 Podcast. God bless. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless. Mm-hmm.